Um, last year, children in the care of our provincial, well, not in the care of our provincial government. I shouldn't say that. These are, these are kids who had some involvement with government intervention services. Okay. So it's not necessarily kids that were, you know, in government institutions or anything like that, but in some way they'd come into an interaction with the provincial government. Um, from April of 2021 to April of 2022, almost 50 of them died, dozens, 49 of them, an increase of 44% from the previous year. Uh, this week, opposition MLAs threw their support behind um, a committee report seeing would like to have a all-party committee in the legislature deal with this openly, transparently, and get some answers to what's going on. They would like to see five different ministries involved, echoing calls from the child and youth advocate who's been saying the same thing for some time. So to give us some insight on um, what they would like to see, we have uh, Racky Pancholi joining us, the NDP Children's Services critic. Um, Ms. Pancholi, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Jay. This is an important conversation. It I really appreciate is. having it. Yeah, yeah and I, I think we can all agree that, you know, uh, getting all hands on deck to make sure that um, kids are taken care of uh, shouldn't be a political conversation. But the numbers I gave with dealt with the last fiscal year, right? And it was an increase of 44% in terms of deaths? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I want to clarify, too, it, it's you're right that these are not all the children and, and youth who died in 2021, uh, as you said, almost 50 of them. They weren't all necessarily in government care, but they were all kids who were involved in the child intervention system, meaning, you know, report had been made. Um, there was an assessment yeah. and intake going on because there's safety issues and their kids. These kids are receiving some support. Some of them are actually in government care and some of them are kids who are aging out of care, meaning they were in government care. And now they're 18 and they're aging out into adulthood. Yeah. Important clarification. Um, what, what are we seeing so far this year? That was, was that a one off or are we seeing a steady trend up? What, what can we tell from the numbers that we have? Yeah. So the numbers are devastating and they're not improving. And in fact, um, we know that they're on track to be the same, if not a little bit higher than last year. And we actually heard from the Office of the Child and Youth Advocate on Monday, who told us that she actually was pretty dire in her warning. She said, next time I come before this committee again, it's going to be even worse. She was essentially saying, you know, the numbers, she gets the notifications every time a child and youth dies who's had in receiving services or had within the last two years. And she said the numbers are going to be even higher. So um, it's it's not looking good. It is not, and it's it's been an issue that we have been drawing attention to for well over two years to say we could see this trend happening. And uh, action is desperately needed and was desperately needed for some time now. And uh, that's why we continue to raise this issue. It's been three years in a row, actually, that we as an opposition have been saying uh, and echoing the call from the advocate to say, look, we need some transparency and accountability. The advocate makes these recommendations to government ministries when they see these reports and they see these deaths. They do an investigation. They say, look, here's some things that we think ministries should be doing. But we don't have any answers from the ministries themselves as to whether or not they're accepting those recommendations and, and to what extent they are. And so that's what she's been saying. Let's have some, let's have an honest conversation uh, about what the ministries are doing, why they aren't doing certain things, what's working, what's not working, because we've got a crisis. And so we've been throwing our support behind the advocate for three years saying let's have that transparent uh, discussion because children and youth are the ones who are, are suffering and are uh, bearing the cost of this and we need to know what's happening. So how would that work? It's a, it's a committee, right? It's a, a legislative committee that you would like to see struck uh, to hear from all five of these ministries, right? Yeah, so the idea is that it would be an opportunity to look at the specific recommendations the advocate has made. And I want to give you an example of one okay. and probably the one that the um, the advocate has been uh, talking about as being critical. So when we look at the number of kids and youth in particular who have 
died over the last year and a half or so. Many of them are as, as a result of drug poisoning. I don't think that's going to be a surprise, um, given that we know we're in a bit of an opioid crisis and, and drug poisoning crisis right now, but it's hitting youth the hardest. So the advocate has been saying for uh, about a year now, we need to have a specific strategy for youth when it comes to opioids. Um, we know government is taking some action, a little bit of action on drug poisoning, but it's all geared towards adults. And young people are different, right? Their brains develop differently. They need to learn more about um, educationally, you know, what to understand how to identify uh, unsafe drugs and how to take uh, safe actions. They, they need that information in a different way than adults. And she's been saying we need that youth-specific opioid strategy. Uh, but so far, we have no response from the Ministry of Health as to whether or not they're willing to do that. And she said, I don't know why they're not doing this. And I think we should have that conversation. Why aren't they doing that? So we're saying, okay, let's bring the Ministry of Health before the committee and let's ask them that question. Do they think they need a specific youth opioid strategy? Why not? What are they doing already that they think might suit that? Um, and just have that conversation. Um, and we would do that with each of the ministries that has recommendations uh, from the from the advocate. Um, but, you know, there's quite a few ministries. And mm-hmm. because all these ministries serve kids, kids don't, uh, you know, exist in isolation. It's not just the children's services. You know, there's a lot of ministries that ultimately have an impact on kids' lives. And we need to hear from all of them. Now, in response, the government, as as far as I understand, has agreed to at least some of these requests from um, your your MLAs and the child and youth advocates saying, you know what, we'll put together a committee with children's services, mental health and addiction, a few more, a total of four ministries, right? It's justice and health that won't be involved? That's right. Justice, health and education. So, uh, you know, I, I really can't explain the thinking behind uh, why the UCP kind of cherry picked certain ministries or not. We looked at, OK, who had which ministries had recommendations put forward by the child and youth advocate. There are specific targeted actions that are recommended for them. Let's have those ministries come forward and, and report. I can't speak to why the UCP uh, very reluctantly, again, after three years of asking, finally agreed to bring just some ministries and not others. Um, and it's all going to happen in one meeting, uh, likely sometime in February, which, let's be honest, is only a few months before a provincial election. So this feels like a little bit of reluctant action at the last minute just to look like they're doing something. And as you mentioned at the top, Shay, this is this is not a political issue. I understand. You know, I'm a member of the opposition. It looks like things are partisan, but this is not a partisan issue. We all, all members of the mm-hmm. Assembly, all Albertans, should be looking at what's happening, these heartbreaking numbers, and saying we all deserve to get a little bit more information on what's happening and what we can do better. This is not a partisan issue. And so that's why we've been saying that for three years. Let's do this. Let's have these important conversations so we can have better outcomes for kids and youth in care. That is our ultimate responsibility as lawmakers, as, as government officials. That's who, we are, who we're here to serve. And um, I, I, can't, I can't explain why they're doing this so late, but it feels like this is just window dressing for them right now, but this is a really serious issue. Well, I mean, to be fair, why would you do that? I mean, why, why would you, if, if you have something that you don't want to talk about and you think reflects poorly on your government, why on earth would you want to do it two months before an election? I think it would be the opposite. I mean, you'd want to, you'd want to push it down the, the field for a little while longer so you don't have to bring it up for an election. I don't, I don't know how this would be seen as positive politics for the UCP. 
I think they've received some, uh, you know, significant criticism for lack of action, and and they may want they look like they they want to look like they're doing something. I mean, it's the same way that they're, you know, finally, you know, handing out some affordability checks, but only to some people. You know, they want to address the EMS crisis, so they're going to give people a voucher for Uber. Like this is they're doing just sort of window dressing things at the end. Honestly, um, the the stats that are published regularly and publicly speak pretty terribly to the UCP themselves, right? Those numbers speak for themselves. I think they have to be. In their view, they want to look like they're doing something, uh, but they're not really giving themselves any any runway to actually take significant action. And if they they were, they they can happily come and speak to it and say what they're doing. Um, and you know what? They're really jam packing four ministries into a three hour meeting. I don't think they're expecting much substance to come out of it, anyways. And they can say, "Look, we did this. We listened to the advocate." Um, and meanwhile, the numbers are going to speak for themselves when it comes to the children and youth. Sure, they will, yeah. And, and of course, we'll all follow up with the numbers. Um, Rocky, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time today. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.